Hey everyone, welcome to The Start. Uh, I'm Patrick. This week, Nick won't be joining us, unfortunately. He's currently battling a cold. Um, this episode is pretty special to me, though. We'll be chatting with my brother, Aubrey Johnson. Aubrey is a software software designer and currently is the designer in residence at an incubator based in Santa Monica, California called Science. Um, other than that, Aubrey used to work at Color. He's done some work with a few startups like Authy and Bop. Um, let's get started. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, this is going to be... It, I think it'll be an interesting episode just because... And I don't know if the listeners know this, that we are related. Um, and we share you know, the same DNA. Yeah, since we're brothers. my baby brother. The little, littlest baby. So it's good, I mean, it's good to be only, here, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe... There's only maybe two Maybe we'll so. break out where I give you like uh, some sort of digital version of like a Nogi or something. But I think it'll be... It'll be all right. Yeah, I think we'll yeah. be good. It'll be interesting for me because, you know, while we are brothers, I don't know the finer details of, of how your, what I would consider pretty successful career in design got really started. Um, so this would be a good little, it's almost like you're, you're passing knowledge, but in a public forum since this is going to be live on the internet. Sure, somewhere. sure. I'll try not to like uh, put my hand on your shoulder, you know, hypothetically too often. <laughs> But yeah, I'd, I'd be glad to share uh, kind of how things happen for me. Yeah, so all right, why don't you get started? Tell us uh, who you are, what you do, where you're at, and uh, where it sure. all began. So uh, I'm Aubrey Johnson, and um, I'm a multidisciplinary designer. I uh, work you know, in, in, on kind of everything uh, from branding stuff to graphic design and web interface, just all over the place. And uh, I'm currently at Science, which is um, just like an incubator in in Santa Monica, California. And uh, I spend most of my time advising and uh, designing internal platform systems that that help to, like digital businesses grow uh, rapidly. And uh, I'm learning a lot about um, certain parts of the web that that I didn't really understand before um, at Science. So that's that's what I'm currently doing, and that's who I am. So yeah, that's it. It's the boilerplate. Nice. So then um, we can jump right into it. Where, where was that first itch that you scratched? Um, not physically on your body, but like at a, what point in time did you first really get into design? Even if it was doodling at the kitchen counter when mom was trying to feed us Brussels sprouts. Yeah, sauce. it's so you know when I was when I was really young. Um, Maybe you were you were around. I'm, I can't remember, but uh, I kind of always said I wanted to be an artist. And I think a lot of folks in the family just said, you know, be careful picking a career like that because you kind of have to to die to be good, right? You know, that's like <laughs> that's part of the deal. And and then the pay was pretty bad to be an artist. You know, 
or at least that's uh, that has been the the status quo. That and so yeah, I think you know that that's how it, uh, that was like kind of the first little poke, and then if you think about like I then let's fast forward to like the mid nineties. Um, my my grandma got got a computer. It was like my first real computer. It was a Micron PC, and it had it had Windows ninety five on it, and I was glued to it. You know, I just I was always on the computer and learning things and just how computers work and file systems and a lot of that was new to me. But I just kept you know kind of pressing the the edge of what what wouldn't break it. And so in that time, in the mid-90s, I started messing around with, with Photoshop. Like most designers, I got a bootleg copy and just was clicking around and making stuff happen with filters and just exploring it. But also at the same time, I was uh, using this software, um, Netscape Communicator and Front Page mm-hmm. Express, which are like WYSIWYG website editors. And I would start okay. drawing interfaces and then... You could flip the, the, the WYSIWYG over and see all the code that you produced. And I just started doing that and trying oh, to so figure out... It was like oh, a, go ahead. It was like a drag-and-drop kind of scenario? Yeah, kind almost. of, yeah. You would, or you'd click, you'd click something with your cursor in the, in the box, and it would produce it like a radio button set or something like that. Gotcha. And so that was kind of like a hobby for a long time, um, playing around with Photoshop and doing web development, and uh, I remember, uh, you know, in in early, early high school, and uh, there was this guy, Austin, and, and he he, to- he taught me about, you know, writing code versus, like, just, just clicking code, right, and making things happen, and mm-hmm. so uh, often we'd be talking in class about stuff, and then we'd get in trouble, and we'd get in detention, and we'd go to detention, and we would write we would hand write uh, inline style sheets on paper and try to think about what would look cool. And then we'd go home and plug it in and then we'd talk about it the next day. And it was super crazy to write code that way, like on paper and think about code in like a, as like a theoretical visual language. Right. And so that was kind of like, uh, kind of a little bit more honing of the hobby. And then, and then, I was in the Air Force for a little while, and, and I decided after that that I wanted to go to law school, and then pretty quickly I decided I did not want to go to law school. Wait, you so for a short time you wanted to be a lawyer, huh? Yeah, I thought that... that um, I think your personality would have made for a pretty successful career in that, probably. I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of being successful in a lot of industries is, is being good at sales, and I think even law is sales, right? You have to sell some portion of truth to somebody. And I thought that, hey, that seems like a pretty lucrative way to do sales versus like selling cars <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And um, you can make a lot of money selling cars too if you're good at it. But I thought I wanted to be in the, in, the, uh, in, in law and then I decided no. And so while I was figuring that out, I was taking these design electives uh, at this little two-year school in South Carolina and... Um, one of them was a Photoshop class, which I, I knew Photoshop well. So this was an easy mm-hmm. A for me. I was just, you know, they were like, here's how you draw a square. I'm like, I got this. I've been doing this since 1994, man. And 
um, I took a web design class, which I didn't really know as much about, and obviously the web had changed quite a bit between the mid-90s and the, the early or mid-2000s. And it was at that point that I reconnected everything. The artistry path from when I was a kid and the mm-hmm. uh, kind of the years and years of hobbyist tooling around in, in code and in, in design tools. And I'd always kind of had an appreciation for aesthetics, but uh, everything kind of clicked at that time. And, and that's, that's really how you know, I, I got into everything. And and f- once I got into it in school, that was it. Then I started just, I kept going, I kept going. Did you keep going because you were, and <clears throat> I've never really asked this question before. I always find it interesting as to sort of the motives behind things. Was it something where you were like, okay, I've set my mind to this career path, so I'm going to do it? Or was it just like more of a instinctual desire, like you were scratching an itch that you didn't know you've always had and then you realized it and it sort of just shot off like a rocket. You know, for me, it was just like, it was, um, it was kind of like Alice in Wonderland, like a rabbit hole. And I found out a little mm-hmm. bit about HTML and then CSS and I was like, that's pretty cool, what else? And then I started learning about digital photography and then I started, you know, just more and more and more. And then I thought, hey, well, I'm having a good time. Let's keep going, you know? And that was just kind of how it happened. I thought I could always bail and decide to go back to the law school track or I could um, super, super bail and go work at an airport, which is what I had, you know, kind of honed my skills in the Air Force doing was a mechanic. Uh, I could go be Mm -hmm. an airport mechanic if all this failed and I was a total idiot at this. And so I just felt like, hey, keep going. You know, I got some backup plans that are whatever, and I don't know, just kind of took it pretty easy. Yeah. Nice. Um, you've been in a good situation, and I can only say this because I know, you know, mom's kept me abreast on, on things throughout your earlier career, so like, you know, you won a few contests. I think the whole family went down to Charleston when you when you graced their, um, the bridge run with all of your designs, which are pretty, pretty cool. Um, and I'd argue and say that you've always had, like, great opportunities that have come your way. Um, how has that sort of played into your career? So for instance, that first job you had out of college, whatever it was, um, how'd you get it? What were you doing? Um, was it because of these smaller contests and other opportunities or was it a different way? I think, um, you know, all of the things that happened to me both recently and in the beginning have just been, and acceptance of opportunities and and just not shying away from things that look like maybe really small or or not worth the time and for example like that that design contest um it was like a five minute talking point in a class one day and i thought i've seen those shirts and like fifty thousand people end up wearing them i'm gonna go for that i'm gonna spend a couple days and do it and so i did it and then one day they called me and they were like, you won. And I couldn't believe it. I was just, you know, I just was trying some design stuff out. And it turned out that <laughs> the colors were cool. They liked it. And they gave me like a thousand bucks. And 
But the big, that really didn't matter. The big thing was, uh, well, I was finishing school. It was cool to have a little starter money. But the really big thing was, was that when, I, when we went to Charleston to see everybody wearing that, wearing that design. And it was kind of like the centerpiece. And it was like, yeah. whoa. It was on everything. This is huge. And then that was really, that was a big thing for me at that time because I thought um, it's really cool when you, when you get a little win like that, you know. And that's not, yeah. you know, maybe that's the biggest thing that will ever happen to me design-wise. Hopefully, you know, there's other things out there. But, yeah, um, yeah, just being open opportunities and just letting things, uh, just going after stuff, kind of having, uh, it's kind of like the school thing, like, Hey, this looks cool. Let's give it a shot. Yeah, you know, and I kind of take a laid back approach about a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So then, what was the the first gig out of college? Well, well, out of college. Well, that's two. There's two things. So during college, I was working pretty hard, and I thought trial by fire. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm learning yeah. learning some of these skills. Why don't I see if I can make make a little cash on it? And so the TLDR on my first real gig where I got paid was I did a website for a clothing boutique uh, on the East Coast, a small one. And um, they they needed a website. I said, I do that. I said, I need cool clothes. I was just kind of getting into clothes. And they said, well, we'll give, you, we'll give you a line of credit here. And it was enough to buy like a lot of clothes. And I thought, well, yeah, this, that's great. I'm, I'm poor and this, this would be yeah. sweet. And so that was my first like paid gig was I did this website for these guys and I learned a lot and this is a terrible website. It's gross, you know. Um, Does it still no, exist somewhere? No, it's gone. They, <laughs> I mean, the, I think, I don't know, this store turned into some other like more niche store and the, the people who started are really great and they're really nice um, and we had a good, good run, but no, the site's not around and, you know, it's my, it's my first thing, so... It's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. And then my first gig out of school was, was well, I worked at an agency for like seven months. And then I thought, well, I don't want to do this. This is crazy. And so I joined Twilio, which really was, now that was really the biggest, one of the biggest things. Um, yeah. I got a couple of other little things. I worked for American Express on some email blaster when I was in, um, when I was in college. And that was a big one. It was a lot of lawyers, yeah. a lot of people. The money wasn't that good, but oh, it yeah. went to a lot of people. The, I'm familiar with American Express's uh, email vetting process. They didn't have it. They didn't have it as refined back then. This was for just for gold card members. It was a segmented list, but it was really cool that American Express and people there thought my work's cool enough to go to their like paying people. Yeah. So they. They reached out to yeah. you, or was it was there an intermediary? Got an email. Um, someone someone had recommended me who knew someone there from their creative thing. I don't know the whole connection. There was a few layers of separation, but um, I got an email and I said I responded to it really fast. And said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> whatever you want." And that was cool. Got a little logo roll going there on my on my portfolio, and I think that helped me get my foot in the door with with maybe Twilio and maybe some other gigs that were really, really big. Yeah. How'd you, um, how'd you come across Twilio? Because I remember when that happened and I think mom was like, Oh, he got a big tech job. And you know, she was super excited, but I think she was excited because, you know, you're doing good things, but also because you're her son. Um, 
But how'd you, at the time, correct me if I'm wrong, Twilio was relatively new? It definitely wasn't the Twilio that it Not is today. It was so how, really scrappy. You... Uh, so yeah, uh, um, I decided after, after school in Atlanta, uh, my second degree, that I wanted to go to the West Coast. I wanted to go to, to San Francisco. Just because I thought it'd be cool to get out of Atlanta for a little while. I just finished school there, and I just mm-hmm. wanted to shake it up, try something new. And my buddy, he was moving there, and, and so I had a roommate. And so I just started applying to everywhere. I applied to Facebook. I applied to Google, all these places that um, that I wanted to work at. And and someone someone email introed me to Joe Gebbia back when Airbnb was in Y Combinator. They were in like their second month of existence. And they were like... Hey, mm-hmm. this guy, you know, he's looking for some people to help. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, man. I got a job. I don't need this. And so I totally <laughs> passed up on like an early Airbnb. On yeah, Airbnb. that was whoopsie daisy. Yeah. And you make a couple of rookie mistakes like that in your early career. And then you don't, you know, you kind of get better at picking the winners. But Twilio was a winner. And um, I, I applied through LinkedIn. And Jeff, yeah, I oh, was wow. really comedic in my reply. I was really jokey because they seemed pretty chill. And then they mm-hmm. called me, and we did a couple of phone calls. And then with Twilio, I went to San Francisco, and I remember meeting two of the co-founders in, in a cafe um, called Epic Cafe. I'll never forget it. They asked me to make a button, and I did it with pretty much the keyboard. And they said, you're hired. And um, Oh, you mean you mean yeah, no- you made the button through code. Uh, no, no, no. I made the button through like really, really fast Photoshop maneuvers. Oh, they gotcha. were okay. still like, you know, dragging their cursor up to the corner to click. And I was like, <laughs> and there's your button. And they were like, well, you're hired. And I think they thought Photoshop knowledge was, was design skills. Yeah. Uh, sure, sure, sure. And I learned a lot there. It was a great place to work. And, uh, that was that was how I got that job. I made a button, and they let me they let me have the job. How long were you at Twilio? I was there for um, I did almost a year with them. I was in the office there for about eight months, and then I got homesick from Atlanta, and I went back. And uh, I think in, in retrospect, it would have been a good idea to probably stay there. But um, you know, now I have a family and things I would have never got if I didn't come back to Atlanta. So everything everything yeah. happens for a reason on that one. Um, what was, um, so I sort of want to, you, so they hired you, you made a button straight out of, out of the keyboard. Um, pretty much. I, I had a couple so what, clicks in there. You know. Sure, sure, sure. Um, what, um, what'd they bring you on for? Cause it was still early on. Right. And I don't even know what the Twilio website looked like, you know, like six months out of the gate. It was pretty uh, bad. And I'm, it was I, pretty bad. Did they have a design team? Were you a part of a team? Were you the solo designer? Like, what, what was they the They were outsourcing the thing. They were giving it very little attention. And, um, mm-hmm. and you know, it's an API company. So I wasn't going to work on the core product. Yeah. Because I didn't know anything about code like that. I didn't know anything about traversing the voice XML spec, which is what Twilio does at the time. That's what it did yeah. really well. And um, they wanted someone to... My job was the the lead user experience and user interface designer, but I was the only lead. <laughs> I was the only. You were the I lead. Was, yeah. Hey, hey gang, crowd around here, self, you know? <laughs> and so it was, it was just me, but 
it was an early that's how these companies get people you know that they're so young to get people to come on they say you'll be the director of design yeah because no one else knows how to do it you know there's three of us we're sitting around a table trying to figure out how this is going to work and so yeah yeah they had a they had one other employee her name was danielle morrill and then the three co-founders and danielle um has, is a Y Combinator alumni, and she's working on some really cool stuff. And she's a marketing person, but she writes code and just really incredible. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. And then the co-founders, yeah. they went to school together. They were like connected brain. They wrote so much code. They were really good. That's pretty cool. So then, all right, so you were leading a team of one. Yeah. Um, you, got, <laughs> you, uh, you got homesick, and then you went back to Atlanta. What happened? I'm sure – you're probably not going to end up with the same experience in Silicon Valley, San Francisco with a tech startup going back to Atlanta. So what was that? How'd that go? Well, you know, the reasons I went back to Atlanta didn't have anything to do with job stuff. It was more personal. Like I wanted to be around my friends and I wanted to be around just some familiar things. And when I lived in the Bay, uh, I didn't really know anyone. It's kind of hard to meet people there if you, if you don't know anyone and I lived in the East Bay and then I went to the city for the commute during the day and the co-founders of Twitter are great guys but they went to school together so you know they're kind of gelled up and then Danielle's married yeah. so she's got her thing going yeah. she's got her own personal life and she's super nice and we hung out everybody hung out a little bit but it was a little bit lonely there you know so I thought well startup is cool works you work a lot of hours I'm getting kind of lonely I think I'm gonna go back to Atlanta for a little bit so I went and worked at a project management company. They told me they wanted me to like redesign the UI. They didn't. They did not. They were not ready for that. They didn't want to redesign yeah. the UI. They had like um, revenue that was based on teaching people how to use the product, and things I was oh, wow. doing were like eliminating whole like dro- droves Revenue's of employees. Dreams, yeah. yeah, I tried to implement like a SaaS model, and they had like a like a thirty-five person sales team. So. That's what I did in Atlanta. It didn't last. I went back to the Bay after that one. Just one gig, one gig in Atlanta, and then back to startup land. How long was that? I was there for like eight months. I was doing like banner ads, and they were paying me like senior designer talent level to <laughs> do like an intern job. So then, did that give you? So it sounds like that was like a pretty easy, easy flowing job, which is cool, yeah. but. Did you, um, were you doing anything on the side? Yeah. Maybe not freelance stuff, maybe just like self-initiated projects. I was and that doing kind of freelance stuff. stuff. Like... There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, this guy, Carl, that I worked with, he was super talented. He could write code really well, and he was a great designer. He had pretty good uh, aesthetic chops, and um, we would just come up with products, and we'd stay late uh, sometimes together and just whiteboard stuff and work on, work on our own products. We were just enamored with like, uh, 37 signals and base camp and those guys mm-hmm. and what they were doing and so we were emulating a lot of like that sort of behavior like coming up with product ideas and sketching it out and building it and designing so you guys ever launch anything even if it was no small? no it was all like fun stuff i mean we had some co- code and gotcha. stuff together but i don't think we ever ever really got serious enough to do it and and um and then we had like little paying freelance stuff that would get the top priority pretty often too oh so you guys were sort of like a little duo 
Back yeah, he was pretty good. He was pretty good at code, and um, and I had his number on the visual design, so we traded off on on that together, and it was nice because he taught me a lot about um, CSS that I didn't know, and um, I shared some pretty pretty fun stuff with him on the typography level, and and uh, mm-hmm. I think that was the big win for him. Like he really he really liked the typography stuff that I shared with him. That's pretty awesome. All right, so you were there for eight months. What uh, what was the next move? You said you went back to the Bay. Well, inadvertently, or by by way of um, another startup called Memolane, which was a social media timeline before Facebook timelines, okay. which is interesting. Because gotcha. Because there's definitely, you know, the, the idea was validated for sure. Um, yeah. So I worked, the founders were from Denmark, and then, uh, you know, there were some people in, there were people all over working on this thing. And then we were to converge in San Francisco eventually. Mm-hmm. And I was going to Idaho and Copenhagen, Denmark, and San Francisco. I don't know. I was gone like a week and a half or two weeks a month uh, traveling to meet up with. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. It was pretty pretty fun times. You know, I hadn't... I hadn't um, it feels kind of cool to be like, I'm going to Denmark for work. You know, yeah. what are you, what are you idiots well, like, doing today? Oh, you're going to go to your office job in Atlanta. I'm going to Europe. Yeah. Well, well, it's like that stereotypical, like businessy man who's like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm jet setting. I'm doing business all over the world. Internationally. Yeah. But the reality is I'm sitting 15 hours in a coach <laughs> flight flying over the North Atlantic, you know, uh, three in the morning. It's not really that glamorous. Um, yeah. But it was a good time, and those guys were were super solid, and we we had fun. What were you? Uh, what was obviously you were a designer, but what was sort of like the role there? Especially if you were going to Idaho, I'm not sure how that sort of fits in. So into Idaho the whole had um, Denmark tech scene. Idaho had one of the guys from jQuery Core on it as a the lead gotcha. front end engineer, and he was good. And so we go work together. Yeah, I, he would I can imagine designs and we'd go through design patterns and stuff together um yeah i you know i was doing user experience and visual design and um the marketing design stuff what kind of whatever we needed i was the only person really who uh, could do the design tasks and then the the front end guy could do you know the code so i wasn't really writing html and css at the time maybe little little snippets but i wasn't doing like product stuff at that point so was Memo Lane also another team of one, sort of? Um, yeah, yeah. I inherited a bunch of design stuff that they had, which was from another designer who wanted to go co-found his own thing. Um, and then they gotcha. had like a brand that they got through some design service or something. I don't know. Yeah. So it correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like the first three gigs in your career were all solo design yeah, gigs. And, and by that, I mean there was yeah, no team you know around you. why this was really critical? <clears throat> you know, I think it's really good to have a team around you. And, and if you, you know, if we get into the stuff that happened at Color, um, I'll be glad to share more about why team is so clutch. But what's really mm-hmm. good about those first companies that were really new and they needed a lot and being the solo person there, it was like... It was like fast-forward education on how to do a lot of stuff. And now when yeah. people talk to me and they're like, well, how do you know how to do this and branding and does graphic design and everything? It's like, because in an early startup, you have to be that person. You have to be a design team 
as as one person because they don't have a lot of money to pay a whole a whole you know trove of designers well some startups do but yeah. but um not often it's very uncommon and so the that single designer has to be good at you have to pretty much try to be good at everything or as best you can to help the company get along fast and so it's not for the guys who are like or girls who are like oh one pixel to the left and this sort of stuff you know that's it's more about mm-hmm. like making broad movements analyzing them and then refining them and if you're not comfortable with shipping things that are um that you don't have months to curl on you know then mm-hmm. then that's not for you how'd that how'd that flow though because you, you mentioned earlier and i mean i know this pretty well but you're a pretty easygoing kind of dude so i can only imagine that there was moments of probably high stress um was there any like uh, conflict internally uh, I remember at Twilio specifically, like we do design review, and there'd be people in there where I'm like, "Why, why are they, why are they doing here?" And <laughs> just like you know, everyone has an opinion about design, and I think people think uh, oftentimes that they they can refine design because they can see it. Uh, yeah, I say that a and lot. And it's a very visual, you know, s- probably the same with code too, like. You know, if it's not fast or it doesn't do what you expected, you have opinions about what it should have done. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a little more, uh, it's a unique thing when, when people give design feedback who who are l- on a different qualification level, right? They get hung up on other yeah. stuff that maybe designers move past pretty quickly. So... Yeah. Well, it probably helped you hone those uh, salesmanship skills, Well, right? you got to be a good salesman to sell your designs right i think the best designs come by way of the person who sold them the the best and um it's not always it's just not always going to be the design that looks the best that wins it's going to be the one that makes the most sense and sometimes you talk people into making sense with with sales stuff they might not they might not see the big vision you know and and if you can get people hooked in on that early with with really good communication skills i think people call it communication skills it's it's kind of sales too right like reading the other person to having this transaction back and forth and then kind of inching towards the goal that that you want to that you want to be at yeah well it's also like uh it you know it's interesting because people call it communication it people call it sales it's also influence um like there's a whole different like mixed bag of things that go into having other people buy in to something that you want to implement, whether it's, you know, maybe a new email template, uh, new UI elements or a whole new redesign and branding, et cetera. But like, I, I, I haven't run into it yet. Thankfully. Um, I don't, I look forward to it, but I sort of don't cause I'm sure it's going to be challenging, but I can only imagine that you're sitting there like, I, you know, I was watching house of cards last night and there's like those moments where like you have this like deep, dialogue with somebody and then like everything pauses and you're like thinking out loud but in your head to yourself about what's going to happen next and you're sort of like trying to play it out it's almost like a chess match yeah yeah it's definitely a dance for sure to get to get you know your design shipped um especially in a bigger company um with a lot of players for sure so that you asked about a challenge that might have been a challenge then um yeah no it's cool so then all right, so Memolane happened. Memolane happened. They kind of then Facebook timeline came out, and 
kind of time to yeah they probably lost some steam something else there that was kind of the yep the note the memo and then i went to color um color was pretty infamous color Color did have an infamous launch i I joined there uh after that launch uh they didn't have a designer the the leadership this so another another situation with no no designer designer. but this time haha it gets different there was a design team uh involved and i hired um three three designers who are now really good friends of mine and one one of them we were already friends, but then the other two guys we became really really good friends while while we were yeah. there. Um, and was this something the design team people. the the design team situation was that um, something that was sort of already in the works, or did you come in there saying like, look, I'm cool, you know, I'm cool with being like the lead and the solo guy for now, but I'll be damned if I'm working here alone. Like I want to b- build a team. It wasn't an, any like I'll be damned kind of anything. It was more like very exploratory and and so they gotcha. hired me and they said do you need you know should we hire someone else and i said let's see what let's put stress test it right and see how it goes yeah and so maybe like three months in they were needing some stuff that needed some pretty big commitments and i thought this would be really great if someone else could do that it's really hard <laughs> and so we hired yeah. this guy charles to be a production designer and then within okay. a few months uh, this guy was so good. He was actually leading the Android design team design. Uh, or the, uh, oh wow! Yeah, leading the Android team in design, and that was um, that was a pretty critical piece of the business for Color um, because we had this like Verizon deal going, and um, it it turned out that he was pretty linchpin to some success pieces. He came in as a production guy that was going to cut up my PSDs for me and make a yeah. couple icons. And uh, it turned out to be a really talented product designer. Yeah. The um, the other day I was at my acupuncturist and she pulled out her like Android tablet and there was color on there and I sort of just like laughed to myself and I was like, "Do you ever use that?" She goes, "No, I don't even I know don't what think it, it works. I, just... I don't think the server works anymore." But um, that's color what I was pre-installed on every Samsung S3 that shipped. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that was the most sellingest uh, per capita phone that that's ever i think ever at the time at least it was a big it was a big shipment yeah there was a lot of people that got got that app um that live video broadcast app which i thought was a pretty cool technology problem but probably too early because look at vine and then all these other video startups came out right after that and did really well what's interesting about like you know we don't have to like go into this too deep but you and I have had moments where I'll go to grandma's house since you're in, you're in LA and I'm in New York and all of our families in Jersey, it's a lot easier for me to get Mm -hmm. there. But you know, there's been times where we've used color to uh, show you like, you know, when we're decorating the tree or you'd shoot over a video of like jet playing around when he was a lot younger. And I remember Graham's would just be like in awe of this kind of stuff. So I know for me, it was like, it, it was definitely solving a problem. And I think Vine solved it. I look at colors almost like a dip and dots kind of thing where it's like a little bit before it's time because it's live video where vine isn't live, but it's as close to real time as you can get. But there's still like a little buffer between when the audience sees it and when you create it, right? It still allows for some of that uh, superficialness that like a creator might need in in terms of making it perfect versus like the raw real footage or something. Um, 
but it was cool when it happened. Um, I, I used it sometimes for some stuff when I would go places. It was really easy to share on Facebook, um, which made life, you know, pretty simple in terms of like the social world. But, um, so you like, all right, so Charles was the first one on this team, but you guys had like, you, the team yep. grew. Um, who else? Why? What were the needs? Like what was going on there? For the design folks. So, like, some of the stuff is just, like, can't go into it because it's still under lock and key. But um, sure. we made a lot of stuff. And we made a lot of stuff that not everyone got to see. And okay. that needed more than just one or two people working on it. The other guys were, um, I don't know if you've seen this. This uh, So I interviewed at AOL, actually, before Color. And I met this guy, Jeremiah, there. And he was super cool, and he had just gotten a job there like maybe a few months before. And we stayed in touch. I didn't end up going to AOL, but we stayed in touch. And he showed me this thing he was working on that ended up becoming uh, this this product called Alto that AOL put out. And it was like a really yep. good-looking email client. And so, you know, I think um, Jeremiah and I just had a lot of conversations. I was like, man, you should come to Color, man. We have a good time. And at one point, he was like, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. And then um, this other guy that we hired um, from Florida, he had been like a freelancer guy for a long time, just kind of solo. And um, Amy Jackson from Elegantly, she in- introed me mm-hmm. to this guy, Danny, and he was like good at everything. He's good at like 3D, photo, icons, like you name it. He could do it all. He could do video. Yeah. It was just crazy to learn from this guy. And so between the four of us, you know, my background had been on in like, uh, at the time had been in, in user experience and, and uh, technology psychology and things like that. And Charles had done a lot of icon and branding stuff. And Danny had done a lot of video and branding and photo and 3D and all these other like kind of analog medium wild stuff. And then Jeremiah had done a lot of really high-end visual app design. And so when you start looking at all the key players on that, we could Voltron up and really do some really cool stuff really quickly. And then the other key thing that I implemented there um, as the leader of the team was that you have to teach other people how to do what you do. And there's no egos, no fear of like, oh, well, I'm not worth it anymore. I'm not important. It was more like... Um, like Charles showed me how to get really good at Illustrator during that time. And Danny taught me how to shoot photos and Jeremiah taught me so many Photoshop tricks and, um, and, and vice versa. Like I shared with them all of the user experience knowledge that I had and where I got new information and we just try to make each other better. And so we had, you know, instead of having, you know, everybody's good at one niche thing, we had four people who were arguably really good at a lot of things. And that was really cool. Um, so, yeah. Nice. Was there any um, was there any hurdles in that process? I'm sure you know. It was your first time being on a team. Well, like in in a in a proper setting, it's probably your first time leading a team, like a a true team. Um, and then you're implementing this like everyone's got to teach sort of mentality. Was there any like r- rough patches in that? Because I'm sure you sort of got to make decisions like, okay, well, we need to launch this thing. So this takes priority, but we still need to maintain this decorum within the team. So like, do we make a sacrifice here? Do we, you know, sort of stretch ourselves and do both things? Like, I'm, I'm sure there's probably some like challenges and hurdles. How'd you get through them? 
Um, yeah, they were definitely challenges for sure. Um, I think the the momentum of just like wanting to to like make something that could that could be a hit was there, and so mm-hmm. the the tough stuff just kind of plow through it and keep going, you know. Um, I think that there's always kind of these things that happen all the time at every place that you work at. Something personal, something professional, whatever. And there's always a hurdle somewhere, right? And it's really, mm-hmm. I think, you have to decide whether or not that's worth the the challenge or not, you know. So at Color, for, the hurdles came quick. And so the... the the can't the carrot on the end of the stick of like launching a really cool product and building a design team and being part of this thing with all these really really good engineers was it outweighed the the noise you know and there was noise for sure yeah. and people wrote about it you know the products wouldn't be a hit and people had all these expectations because of the yeah. money and then the internal stuff and it was just insane you know um, but but you you want you want to win so you keep going. That's fair. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I guess life sort of happened on color. It was a little bit before its time. Um, it sounds like you guys did some pretty cool stuff, whether it saw the light of day or not, though. Um, and it was that first opportunity for you to, like, really work with a team. It sounds like it may have been a pretty dope team, I'm sure. I think I met some of those guys once when I was visiting you over in uh, – It was San it was Francisco. pretty good, and there was a rumor. You know, I don't, I hadn't heard anything of this, but there was a rumor uh, after Color had dispersed that at one point um, a really big company had tried to buy just the design team from Color. Oh, and wow. I, I don't think I've ever had a professional compliment as big as that. Um, yeah, it, I'm sure that you, you know, you got, you got a ear to ear smile. Yeah, it's not so much that. I mean, it was the other guys that made the value, but it was just like. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like that, I could figure out how to hire people that other people thought were really cool too. So I thought that's kind of validation on on the on the idea. And and make no mistake, I was backed by Colors, uh, you know, equity uh, or or uh, capital rather, and the, yeah. that makes it easy to persuade people when there's secu- job security. Sure. So. We were able to get some people on all levels of, in that company because there was definitely a perceived security with the cash. Sure. Um, all right. So then color sort of faded into the abyss. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, that's when you went to science. And that's, that's right. right now. Um, I reached out to Peter Pham, who uh, was also at color. And mm-hmm. I said, What are you up to? And he said, Hey, man, you should come down to LA. And I said, I've got like three or four other offers up here. I don't think I'm going to hang out up here and, you know, go again. And um, my wife was really interested in coming down, down south and, and she had some friends. She, she had some friends down here. And she, she didn't have a whole lot of friends in the Bay. I kind of drug her there. She had some friends that she made while she was there, but um, that was different. And so I said, sure, I'll, I'll come down there, Peter. And I took a day and came down and I met... Um, I met Mike Jones and I met Mike Mackinnon and I didn't know who Mike Jones was um, until I just knew that he, there was a guy who was the CEO of MySpace that helped sell it to Fox mm-hmm. and that was his role was to, to come in and get that thing sold off. And um, 
I met I met those guys and I thought what they were doing was really cool and and um and I like the weather in LA and and <laughs> I'm sure and the nice. setup the setup was really cool. It was much much more interesting than um just kind of crushing through on another product up in the Bay Area, which yeah. is a cool thing to do, but um it's hard to win, you know. Yeah. What um what are you working on down there that obviously you are able to talk about? Because um, from what I understand with Colors, it's not a single product company. You guys have – you guys back many, many products. Um, so how do you sort of fit in overall there? Because like, you, know, you can't design 17 websites and 17 applications at once. So what's your day-to-day – I don't know day-to-day, but overall, like how are you I think involved? science would have you feel differently about that, like that you can do 17 <laughs> things at once. Um. You know, the thing, I, so what I'm working on in science, the, the first part of your question, is um, I'm advising and, and, and doing design for companies that are in the portfolio of science. And then sometimes we come up with new ideas, prototype ideas that we might, that we might want to go mm-hmm. for. And I'll, I'll do the early bits on that, and then we'll, we'll test them and see if they're valid, and then we'll go from there. Um, but I do a lot of early, really raw stuff. We'll have a couple whiteboard meetings. There'll be some napkin scratches, you know, this, mm-hmm. and then it goes here. Go, let's go build it. Let's see. And and so there's a lot of it's a lot of like really high level stuff. And then and then we I throw something out there. It's kind of like ego free. It might get shredded. It might be it might be really great. And and then we go from there um, on a lot of that stuff. And then I help the other companies internally with design stuff like how do, how do I hire a designer what's going on in design what should I pay what who's good who's not where do I get people can you make intros things like that the normal kind of advisor stuff uh, that happens in, mm-hmm. in tech startups um, so that's what I work on um, there's not a lot of product stuff at science but what the reason I'm there is because they are um, they are an, adv- an advanced marketing machine and I'm learning a lot about how um, growth happens, dig- digital growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I'm there, uh, because I'm learning. When I was at Color, I learned the most that I could learn about mobile. Um, a lot of the mm-hmm. guys there were on the early uh, mobile teams at Apple, and they made things like Apple Mail and the contact- contacts oh, wow. list and stuff that's still core to Apple, uh, to iOS. So I learned a lot about that, and a lot of Google guys were there. And so now I'm in science and I'm learning the most that I can about, about um, what I think a lot of people are calling growth hacking today. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, we're coming towards yeah. the end. So there's like a few questions that I always ask. Um, and I think I'll ask this in two parts. Um, you've had a, a, a varied design career, but obviously it's, it's done you pretty well. What's uh, one piece of advice you'd give yourself? Like your younger self. Yeah, now. I would say back in those mid-90s, like, dude, you need to be writing more code. You need to learn how to write procedural code. You need to learn how to write code. And get good because it will change your whole trajectory as a person. Um, and the reason that I say that is because you can take the designs to life and actually make a thing that you can ship. Yeah. And if I had been able to do that in the mid-90s, I probably could have maybe gone and done the West Coast startup thing and made a company, right? Like all that nonsense. But I was just making pictures. So that was tough. 
So I would have told myself, dude, you need to get on the code. You already like it. You might as well just go and get good. Get some books and learn. Here's a nice tidbit for the listeners. Um, I was a junior in college on the phone with my brother, like walking onto campus. And he was like, dude, drop your major and just go get a CS degree. I was like, no, I'll learn it in the interim in between nights and weekends and i kick myself still i mean i'm on the path now right like i'm i'm doing work as a developer i'm no longer in the marketing world but you know i guess i should have listened to you at some point it would have been good i maybe or something i mean uh, hindsight's always 2020 right you know and i probably gave you a lot of advice that was crappy and we're not talking about it and then I gave you a couple bits of advice that you should have followed, and now those are like, "Well, I should have done that," you know. Whoops! So you make yeah. a couple early mistakes, and then you always listen to your big brother, Pat. That's what you do, okay? <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, the second part of that is, what advice would you give a newcomer? So, let's say hypothetical scenario: um, someone walks up to you at the coffee shop, <clears throat> or they email you, and they're like, "Oh, you know, I admire your work. I think you're great." I'm new in the industry. I'm, you know, I'm still in yeah. college. What would you, you know, what things can you, insightful things can you tell so, me? So, you know, if anybody who's more established is listening to this, I actually look for these people and surround myself with them um, because I think there's nothing more rewarding than helping someone get past where you currently are. And so I do this all the time and uh, I give advice to newcomers or try to share with young designers and, you know, writing code, that's that's one thing that they could do. That's all right. But um, I think, uh, you know, I think it's really important for, for newcomers to link up with somebody who's further along and not necessarily take everything that they say as law. But, man, you can learn from some people who have been around. And if you get the opportunity to be around a designer who's done some bigger projects or you admire their work and you get to sit next to them and learn how to do things, you will excel past your peers in a unique way that, that not a lot of people get. So that would be my advice is, you know, don't get hung up on the dribble, dribble culture and all this weird stuff, you know, like that's, that's all, it comes and goes. There's been lots of stuff like that throughout my career. I remember when Flash was really important and now look where we are. So, yeah. But there's something that, that can be that's not going to change uh, about getting advice from someone who's further along and who can help you. So, no, that's really cool. Um, I guess I should have figured you were going to say something like that because I think there's plenty of times where I like, hey, Ob, can you jump on a call or whatever? It's different. It's brotherly advice. Often blends into career and professional advice, but you do that a lot with me too. Yeah, um, there's a, quite a few people that I get on to hangouts or Skype with regularly that. Um, that ask me questions, you know, and, and I ask other people questions too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now it's for the secret fun time question. Um, it's going to be, it's fun for me because I get to hear you answer about something a little bit different that isn't directly relevant to design or for some of our developer guest development. Um, I think this is relevant for you because, you know, you talked about like backup careers. I'm actually going to give you two. Um, the first one, and we'll go one by one. If you weren't a developer, or I'm sorry, if you weren't a designer, um, and you could be anything else in the world, what would you be, career-wise? Um, right now, I'd probably be. Well, one caveat: 
nothing in tech. Right, right, nothing in tech. Yeah. Um, you know, I would probably, uh, I would probably get, a, I would start a coffee shop. I really like coffee, and I think it's cool, and I think that there, you can dive deep, just like tech. Like you can be a real, like you can be an OG of coffee, and. Uh, yeah. You can learn about the beans, and it's an art form, and then there's some technicalities and things. It's got a lot of similarities to to the industry I'm in now, and so um, I like coffee. I would be, I would get a coffee shop, a good one, not like okay, not like junk coffee, <laughs> like good pour over, and like get the beans from some really good spots uh, all over the world. That's pretty cool. All right, so then, <clears throat> excuse me. The other question is, um, and. This comes with a little personal background because I know that you do not live in LA, so you do commute sometimes in and out of most LA. Time. Most of the time, most of the time I commute. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm assuming you're driving because I don't think there's any other form of public right. transit that is. I live as six, good. sixty miles um, from the office, so I drive there. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. What uh, on the way there and on the way back, what are you sort of what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about who can I call, you know, because it's a long drive, guys. <laughs> You want to? Hey, Is that young why designers, you call me at 1 if you're Eastern? young designers, give me a call. You know, one eight hundred. No, I, I think, <laughs> I use that. I use nothing goes to waste, right? Like I think of, uh, it's kind of cheesy, but like I think about how they say like Native Americans would use every part of the buffalo, the bones and the hide and the meat and everything, and mm-hmm. I think I try to think like how, if this if my life right now design life was hunting buffalo, how would I use every part of the buffalo? And so on that drive, I'm either doing audiobooks on consumer psychology behaviors or I'm listening to design podcasts, so I'm staying connected to the industry, or I'm talking to someone in networking and, or helping someone out. So it doesn't go to waste. There's no just sitting, bopping along to like Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga's fine or whatever, but it's not for me and it's not what I use my time for. Um, and and that commute, it's not too bad. Like, they're really cool about the times when I drive and the days of the week that I can do it. So it's not it's not too terrible, but that time gets used well. There. <clears throat> so that makes sense why you knocked me on my Flappy Bird score earlier this week on the phone, I guess. Yeah, it's hard to play Flappy Bird while you're driving 65 miles an hour on the 405, which is probably the most disgusting highway in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's fair. pretty crazy. <clears throat> It's it's fun for sure. Sometimes you get extra time, is what I call it, to, to oh right, yeah, with traffic and, or listen to books. Yeah, it's good. Um, cool. All right, uh, I think that's gonna be all the time. Um, you can use this time now. You got any plugs? Um, maybe any products that you guys are launching over there at Science? Any talks you might be doing soon? Where people can contact you at? Anything you want to say? Yeah. Um, two plugs. Uh, one. Uh, one of the, a friend and a partner at Science is working on something called uh, This is Ground, and they've made something called the Cord Taco. I think a lot of people have heard of that. Um, check out This is Ground and check out what they're working on uh, right now. There's a Kickstarter for a really sweet leather iPad case that charges your iPad. Yeah, oh, wow. it's pretty cool, and it holds like your stylus and everything. And then, um, you know, I don't really have any personal plugs like, just thanks for listening. I really appreciate anybody who cares about anything that I have to say. Um, so I'm plugging you, listener. That's who I'm plugging. There you go. 
Um, cool. All right. Well, thanks, Ob. I appreciate having you on the show. Yeah, man. Um, I'm sure the only listener for this episode, if anybody, will be mom. <laughs> oh gosh, that's funny. <laughs> I heard you on that on that you... show that Patrick does. I heard you. Yeah, that'll be funny. Yeah, mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but it's been good. It's been good having you on. Um, cool. So. Yeah, thanks, Ob. I appreciate having you on the show. Thanks for having me, man. Take care.